Welcome to this message from Alpha and Omega Ministries International. We value the Word of God as an instrument of growth in our lives, using it to mend our ways, align our thinking, and ultimately bring restoration. We trust that you will be blessed and encouraged by what we have to share. Focus today will be centered around our union with Christ as we look at afresh the manifold blessings we received as a result of Christ's sacrifice on the cross. But we will also look at uh, some of the instructions that are given to New Testament believers. All of the scriptures that we will look at today are from the inspired writings of the Apostle Paul, which he wrote in his epistles to the New Testament churches, uh, which most of them he had established himself with his ministry team. Now, these epistles were written to New Testament believers. They were not written to, sinner, to sinners or unbelievers, but they were written to New Testament believers just like us, and they refer to the revelation that the Apostle Paul received directly from the Lord Jesus Christ, showing him what took place in the heavens after the resurrection of Christ from the dead. They also reveal what happened to us when we got born again and the, the, the many blessings we received by grace through faith as a result of our union with Christ in the Spirit. The Bible says that he that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit. We were joined unto the Lord through the new birth. When we received the new birth, our spirit was recreated, we became new creations in Christ, and we were joined to the Lord. So, it is vitally important for every born-again believer to study these epistles in detail in order to fully understand and acquaint himself, acquaint himself as to what belongs to him in Christ Jesus. And, of course, the, uh, the responsibility that is placed upon the New Testament believer in regards to the behavior and to the conduct that we should adopt as born-again believers, as true Christians. As we know, today we celebrate Christ's resurrection from the dead. But we also celebrate our own deliverance from the power of darkness and the gift of of eternal life through Christ Jesus uh, and what he has done on the cross of Calvary. If you would look at Colossians chapter 1, verse 13 and 14, the Bible says that God has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of his love, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. 
the scriptures clearly state that through Christ's sacrifice on the cross, we have been delivered, past tense, from the power of darkness, from the power of Satan and all of his cohorts, and been brought into the kingdom of God's dear Son. And he has purchased redemption for us through his blood and through the forgiveness of our sins. So we see that Christ's death, burial, and resurrection brought a complete end to Satan's rule and his dominion over every soul who believes in the name of the Lord Jesus. Now, to believe in the name of Jesus means that we believe in who he is, and that is believe in his lordship that he is Lord, but we also believe in what he has done on the cross on our behalf. Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10 declares that if we confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in our heart that God has raised him from the dead, we will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Now, to confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus means that we acknowledge his lordship over our life, and we receive him as such, not just as Savior, but also as Lord over our life. Therefore, According to the scriptures, we no longer govern our life, but he does. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 16, the word of God declares that those who live now and are united with Christ should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died and rose again. In other words, our life is not our own. It belongs to the Lord. He purchased our lives, spirit, soul, and body through the blood that he shed on the cross. We are his, and therefore we no longer live for ourselves, or rather we should no longer live for ourselves, but for him who died and rose again. In other words, pursuing first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, according to Matthew 6.33. Now we see here that the blood he shed on the cross was to purchase redemption and forgiveness for our sins. But his lordship gives us dominion over sin. It's important to understand that. And the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus continually sets us free from the law of sin and death. The blood was for the forgiveness of our sins, but the cross, or rather the lordship of Jesus, is for us so that we could have dominion over the powers of sin and death. When Christ governs our lives, we no longer are yielding to sin. And that is the ultimate goal of every believer to live above the power and the pull and the, and the temptation 
of giving in to it, of sin, and 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 all of the things that go with it. Now, according to the scriptures, our union with Christ has elevated us and raised us up to the highest place in the universe. And according to the Bible, we are seated right now at the right hand of God the Father. That is our position in the Spirit. Our body might be here on earth, but you in the Spirit, because you are joined to Christ, we are united with Him. We have been made one Spirit. We are seated with Him in the heavenly places. And that is what Ephesians chapter 2, verses 4 and 7 declare. And these verses of Scripture are so powerful because they reveal our right standing with God and where we are right now positionally. And I'm reading from Ephesians 2, beginning with verse 4. But God, who is rich in mercy... Because his great love, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By, gra by grace you have been saved, and raised us up together, and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. I believe that we cannot read these words and believe them and still remain indifferent in the face of such depths of love, mercy, and grace. Listen to these words again. He raised us up together with Christ. So we don't just celebrate Christ's resurrection today. We are reminded of our own resurrection from the powers of death and sin. And he made us sit together with him in the heavenly places so that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Wow, what a revelation this is. And I pray that the spirit of wisdom and revelation may shed light on these words that we just read, that we may believe them from our heart, not just from our head. Family, Listen to me. Our body might be here on earth, but your spirit, you, the real you, are seated right now with Christ in heavenly places. And that is far above all principality, all power, and all might and dominion, and every name that is named not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. That is what Christ has done for us. He didn't just die for our sins and, 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 and forgiveness of our sins. He raised us up together with him. And we are right now in the Spirit 
seated with him in heavenly places. Now, furthermore, the word of God declares that because we are seated with Christ in heavenly places, he has put all things under our feet. Well, he said under his feet, but remember this. If Jesus is the head and we are the body, the feet are part of the body. Are you with me? So we can scripturally say, and it is the truth, that Christ has put all things under our feet because the feet are part of the body. So we see here that the believer has been given authority over all the power of the enemy and over every diabolical and destructive weapon he has in his arsenal if we would only believe. There is that magic word, if we would only believe. And that's why Paul prays without ceasing that the church in his day may receive the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, the knowledge of Christ, what he has done for us, that the eyes of their understanding, he says, may be enlightened by this very revelation. The revelation of what really took place when Christ was resurrected from the dead and ascended on high. The revelation that the New Testament believer who is born of God is united with Christ and is seated with him in a place of honor and in a place of authority. The revelation that Jesus conferred upon the disciples of every generation power and authority to trample, he said, on serpents and scorpions, which are all of the emblems of the evil one, and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing by any means will hurt the disciple who believes in Christ. That's found in Luke's Gospel, chapter 10 and verse 19. These realities that we just read, these truths, can only be understood and received by the revelation of the Spirit. Revelation knowledge is what activates the force of faith, which in turn enables us not only to believe, but also to act. On these truths and that's that's genuine faith that's Bible faith we don't just believe in our head but we believe in our heart and as a result we act on these very truths and this is the greatest I believe and the most urgent need for the church in this present hour to receive the revelation of our right standing with God through Christ and all of the blessings that come together with our union with him. So as we celebrate today our Passover, Resurrection Day, these are the realities that we celebrate. These are the truths we should live by as we daily walk with Christ, our risen Lord. Now, because we are risen with Christ, 
because we have received such honor and authority, we also have a responsibility to him whom much is given. The word of God says much is required. We were also given instructions as New Testament believers. These instructions are not for sinners. They are for Christians. For us who were raised with Christ and are seated with him in the heavenly places. And in Colossians chapter 3, if you would turn that with, there with me, verses 1 through 4, says the following. And he's speaking to the believer, a New Testament believer who is born of God, raised with Christ, and seated with Christ at the right hand of God. Paul, writing by the inspiration of the Spirit, he says, If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Set your affection or your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. For you died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. This is an instruction given to us today by the Spirit of God. He says, If you were raised with Christ and are seated with him in heavenly places, then set your mind. Another translation says, Set your affection, your focus, on things which are above and not on things of the earth. For you died. When Christ died, we died. When he was buried, we were buried. When he was raised, we were raised with him. And then he, mentions, he says this, When Christ, who is our life, Wow, this is powerful. Christ is my life. Christ is your life. Christ is the life of the church. And no wonder Paul the Apostle said, For me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. Therefore, our focus, our pursuit in life, as people who are raised with Christ, should be on those things which are above, because that is where we are truly seated. We are to set our focus or our mind or our pursuit on things above and not on things on the earth. Those things which are above are spiritual things. They're not natural things. Things that pertain to the spirit and not to the flesh. Now, let's name a few so that we know what we're talking about. First of all, the Word of God is from above, and it is spiritual. The Word of God is full of wisdom and spiritual understanding. When we are full of the Word, we are full of the wisdom of God. We are full with the power of God. We are full with the spiritual understanding. 
if we are to set our mind on things above, it means that we are to focus, to prioritize, to set our mind on the Word of God and meditate in it day and night. Think about the Word. Amen? Our thoughts are to be filled with the Word. They are to be filled with the realities that we just spoke about, who we are in Christ, what we receive because of Christ, who God is in us, and how he works through us. We are to meditate on these precious truths until they become real, until they become tangible in our own lives. That's how they become real. That's how they become tangible. That's how we get to walk in the reality of the words that we just read. That they're not just words written on paper, but they are words that are written on the walls of our hearts as applied by the Spirit of God. We are to fully understand our redemption, our new identity in Christ. Who am I? We need to recognize and know ourselves in the Spirit, who we truly are in the Spirit, because we are united with Christ. We are one. And the Scriptures have much to say about the new identity we received as people of God. We are no longer uh, foreigners, aliens, the Word of God says, or strangers to the covenants of God. We are the children of the living God. God is our Heavenly Father. We are His children. And God has sent His Spirit to live in our hearts. And through the Spirit, He has shed abroad in our hearts the love of God. We have been uh, restored, healed, and redeemed from the curse of the law, which contains spiritual death, poverty, lack, sickness, disease, fear, and all of the things that the enemy brings against us. We are the redeemed of the Lord. And the more we know and the more we believe, the more we will walk in the realities of these truths. And that is why it's important to meditate on the Word, to focus on the Word, to fill our minds with the truths of the Word and the realities that we've just read. So as we do that, we will fully understand our redemption, our identity, and the blessings that we have received because we are united with Christ. But also, as I said, with the blessings we have received, we have also received responsibility and, and, um, and to live as such, as people who are raised with Christ. Furthermore, the Word of God says we are to set our minds on the love of God because the love of God is spiritual. It has nothing to do with emotions. Love is not, uh, is not an emotion. God is love, and God is a spirit, and love is spiritual, and it is from above. The Bible says that God is love. God doesn't have love. He is love. And this love was shed abroad in our hearts. According to Romans chapter 5 and verse 5, 
Now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given unto us. Praise God. You know, sometimes we say, Lord, Lord, I can't forgive. I can't love this person. Yes, you can. You say you can't because you're depending on your flesh rather than what really took place and what you carry within you. You can love because God's love has been shared abroad in our hearts. You see, God will never command us to do anything that we cannot. Otherwise, he would be unjust. Not only does he command us to love one another, but he has given us the love to do it with. Isn't God gracious and merciful and wonderful? Praise the Lord. So we see here, because the love of God was poured in our hearts by His Spirit, we are to purpose daily, and we are to decide to walk in God's love as Christ also loved us, and He also laid down His life for us. John the Apostle says, in 1 John 3.16, by this we know love. How do we know? Because he laid down his life for us. And we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. So to set our mind on these very words involves on thinking to find ways in which we can practically lay down our life for others. Ways in which we can promote others and put others' interests above our own. And this indeed, according to the scriptures, is true love. Now, as I said, we cannot do this in our own strength, but in the strength of God's love that now lives and abides within us. Furthermore, Paul writing to Timothy, he says to him, in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 11 and 12, he says, But you, O man of God, flee these things and pursue, or set your mind or focus on righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, gentleness, Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life to which you were also called and have confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. You see, what Paul is saying here to Timothy, basically he's telling him the same thing he wrote to the Colossians. And that is to seek and pursue those things which are above. All of the things that Paul lists here what we just read, are from above. Righteousness is from above. Godliness is from above. Faith is from above. Love is from above. Patience and gentleness, all of these graces are from above. And he's also instructing him to set his mind on fighting the good fight of faith and, he says, take hold of the life that you have been called to. Faith is from above. And we ought to meditate and study in depth 
the principles of faith and how we can exercise our faith daily because it pleases God. So it's important that we understand by the Spirit that it is the force of faith that makes everything work in the kingdom of God. And this is the principle by which we are to walk daily. And the scripture says we walk by faith and not by sight. What does that mean? That means we are to live and do all things by faith. In fact, the scripture says whatever is not of faith is sin. Praise God forevermore. Now, at the same time, he gives him instructions to flee and run away from the things that could destroy and the things that they could cause his faith to fail or to be shipwrecked. Now, let's look at some of the things we are also are to run from or to flee from. 1 Timothy chapter 6, beginning with verse 3. If anyone, he says, teaches otherwise and does not consent to wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ and to the doctrine which accords with godliness, he is proud, knowing nothing, but is obsessed with disputes and arguments over words, from which come envy and strife and reviling and evil suspicions, useless wranglings of men of corrupt minds and destitute of the truth, who suppose that godliness is a means of gain, and from such withdraw yourself. Now godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain, we can carry nothing out. And having food and clothing with ease, we, are, we shall be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and harmful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Now, let's take a closer look at what Paul wrote here, inspired by the Spirit. He said that we are to withdraw from false doctrine or any teaching that does not conform or agree with the doctrine of Christ, which produces, uh, the doctrine of Christ produces, this is the fruit, godliness with contempt, contentment. Now, Paul says godliness with contentment is great gain. That's what the doctrine of Christ produces. Now, any doctrine that gives the impression that godliness is a means for gain, which ultimately produces an unhealthy desire for money. We are to flee from that kind of doctrine. Now, the scriptures teaches us that the love of money is the root of all evil. Not money itself. Money is a neutral agent. It depends who holds it. Amen? 
And I trust you understand that. It is the love of money. It is greediness and covetousness that is the root of all evil, which causes, it says, men to stray from faith and drives the believer, if he falls into that snare, into many foolish and very harmful lusts, which ultimately will bring upon the the one who's gone astray many sorrows. So as the people of God who are raised with Christ, we are to separate ourselves from such, and we are to pursue holiness and peace with all men, according to the book of Hebrews. Furthermore, Paul goes on to give further instructions to New Testament believers, that is to us, in regards to behavior and conduct that is appropriate for Christians and honorable to the Lord. Writing to the church in Colossae, he says the following, and I'm going to read from Colossians chapter 3, verses 5 through to 21. These are all instructions that are given to us today. So it's important to study these instructions. These are not merely suggestions for us. And I want to make this clear. These are commandments that are given to us by the Spirit of God. He says, Therefore, we are to put to death our members, which are on the earth, which is fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience, in which you yourselves once walked when you lived in them. But now you yourselves are to put off all these things, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth, Do not lie to one another, since you have put off the old man with his deeds, and have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him, where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcised nor uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave nor free, but Christ is all and in all. Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, we are to put on tender mercies. We are to become merciful, kindness. We are to be gentle and kind to one another. We are to put on humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another, forgiving one another, if anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. But above all these things, we are to put on love, which is the bond of perfection, and let the peace of God rule in our hearts, to which also we were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, in all wisdom, 
teaching and admonishing one another in psalms, in hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatever you do in word or in deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Then he goes on and he gives instructions to the New Testament wives and husbands and fathers and children. He says, wives, submit to your own husbands as it is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be bitter toward them. Children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing to the Lord. Then he addresses fathers. Fathers, do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. Wow. All of these are directions or instructions, or you can say commandments, that are given to New Testament believers like us today by the Spirit of God. Why? Because we are raised with Christ. We are no longer in the world. We are no longer part of the world. We might be in the world, but we are not of the world. We have received Christ. We have received His Spirit. We have received His Word. We have received His very nature in our very spirit, in our very inner man. We are new creations in Christ. Therefore, we are to put off the deeds of the old man and put on the new man according to the one who created him. Amen. This is what we call sanctification. Remember, we were instantly born again, translated into the kingdom of God. But then we begin to walk in the walk of being sanctified or separated unto God. And this is a process. And thank God we have the spirit of the risen Christ who dwells within us. The word of God says, If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also quicken or give life to your mortal body. In, the, in Romans chapter 8, the word of God says, If you, through the Spirit, there is our strength, through the Spirit. The Spirit is our life. The Spirit is our strength. The Spirit is our counselor. The Spirit is our guide. The Spirit is our comforter. If you, he says, through the Spirit, put to death the deeds of the body, you shall live in God's presence continually. Praise God forevermore. Amen. Are you still out there? Praise the Lord. Thank God for Nikki. She nods ahead now and again that I know she's with me. She's there nodding. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Nikki. Appreciate it. So, folks, here we are. We celebrate Christ's resurrection and our resurrection because we are in Christ. It should be resurrection day every single day for us who are born again by the Spirit of God. It's every day, Easter as we call it. We've passed from death unto life. Amen. 
but we do this in remembrance. We take a fresh look at what happened after the cross. You see, those who lived before the cross, they couldn't understand these things. They were hidden from all of these truths were a mystery to them. They could not see through them. Thank God for the Pauline revelation, the revelation that the Apostle Paul received, and he penned it, wrote all of these epistles. That's why I believe that priority for us New Testament believers, we should study in depth the epistles that are written to the churches because they apply to us. The things that were written to them are written to us also. So praise God. So Father, we thank you for the richness of your word, for the richness of the revelation that you have given to us by the Spirit through the hand of your apostle. We appreciate you and we thank you for all these wonderful realities, for these truths that you have accomplished in our lives, dear Lord. We are thankful that we are joined with you, dear Lord Jesus. We are raised together with you. We are seated together with you at the right hand of God in the heavenly places. And we are seated far above all principality, every name that is named. And we give you praise for that. Thank you for the richness of your mercy and your grace. And we bless you today as we commemorate, as we remember your death, burial, and resurrection. Amen and amen. Thank you for listening to this message. For additional resources or more information about this ministry, come and visit us at alphaomegaint.org.za.